Chapter Three of *The Quiet Flame*, Mother Mary Anne of Molokai, by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Three, Trial by Ocean. By January 1884, the convent at Branch Hospital was finished. The nuns put their bags upstairs. The wagon with their trunks would follow, and Mother looked about her. We'd better get started, she said. On their arrival in Honolulu, they had been told that their first post would be Branch Hospital, a leprosarium a few miles outside the city. They were to wait in town until their house at the hospital was built. The day after their arrival on the island, the king and queen had come to call. Kind Mr. Gibson, chairman of the Board of Health, acted as interpreter. Formal greetings were exchanged. Then the queen spoke, and as her words were repeated in English, she stood tall and regal, unembarrassed by the tears streaming down her face. "'The Queen's words are these,' said Mr. Gibson. "'I love you. You have left your home and country, and come to these faraway islands to care for my poor afflicted children. I shall never forget you. You are my sisters, and I will always love you.' Mr. Gibson's own voice was a little husky as he delivered the message, and his eyes were suspiciously bright. Mother Mary Ann, too, was moved, and found it hard for a moment to voice her appreciation of the royal welcome. It had made them even more eager, if that was possible, to begin their work. As soon as it could be arranged, they had gone to see the hospital, where they were to be stationed. They had been stunned and horrified by the dirt and depravity they found. No one should be asked to stay in such surroundings, said Mother angrily, especially poor, sick people whose last home it would be. We must make changes there, sister. Now the time of waiting was over, and the nuns were there. Mother pinned back her wide outer sleeves and rolled up the inner ones. The sisters followed suit. I suppose the hospital kitchen will be the best place to start. The cook stood open-mouthed as the nuns descended on the place. He was completely bewildered as they scrubbed and scoured and disinfected his bug-infested domain. It was likely that, in all his time there, he had never seen the wood of the floor before. "'It must have taken years and years of neglect to achieve this dirt,' said Mother grimly. "'Now the dining-room, Mother?' asked Sister Antonella. "'Yes, if we can fight our way through the flies.' Mr. Van Giesen, superintendent of the hospital, watched the frenzy of cleaning with cold amusement. He ran the place to suit himself, not for the comfort of the patients, and he had no welcome for these interfering women.' There was drunkenness, gambling, and immorality in the place, but so long as nothing broke out into the open, he did not mind. With the giant Tom Birch and a few other men who fawned on him, he kept order enough to suit himself, and he did not plan on having any disturbance of his way of life. Mother Mary Ann realized the situation. She was gentle and loving, but she could be as firm as steel when she knew she was right. She, too, did not plan to accept interference in her work. "'We'll do what we came to do,' she said to the sisters with calm determination. "'We will dress sores and nurse the sick, and try to bring cleanliness and order into the place, cleanliness of both body and soul.' It didn't take long for most of the patients to respond to the goodness and tenderness of the white fellow ladies. There were a few, of course, who felt with the superintendent that the nuns were intruding, and feared they would erase gambling and drink. Sometimes on meeting this resentment, the sisters would be frightened or discouraged. But with a little joke or an encouraging word, Mother Mary Ann could set things right. 
It was tedious, exhausting work, this changing a whole way of living, especially when it was combined with the most difficult and distasteful sort of nursing. But under mother's guidance they were making progress. Then the shock came. The morning mail had been delivered, and in it was an official-looking letter for mother. Curious as to what the government might have to say, she opened it at once. This is surprising. Her voice was low and tense. Surprising, mother. Sister Lodovica was clearing the breakfast table and gave only half her mind to the conversation, but mother's next words startled her into full attention. Yes, my letter is from Mr. Gibson. A new hospital has been built at Maui, and it is the Queen's wish that I should take charge. A fork and spoon fell from Sister's nerveless hand and hit the table with a clatter. But you can't, mother. We're hardly established here. They can't take you away. We can't manage without you. Such a lot of can'ts, and all of them wrong. Mother's eyes twinkled and her mouth curled in its funny, quirky smile. Then her face became sober and tender. I can leave, because I must, she said gently. I must be obedient to authority, you know, and you will manage very well. Just lean on God. So once again Mother Mary Ann had to plan the disposition of her forces. Sister Renata and Sister Antonella would go with her to Maui to take charge of the hospital. She instructed Sisters Rosalie, Bonaventure, and Crescentia in what they should do until she came back. Although the morning of the sailing was bright and clear, poor Mother Mary Ann got sick as soon as she saw the little ship which was to take them to Maui. Dancing waves were sun-tipped, and the small fore-and-aft schooner bobbed with a motion that delighted everyone but Mother. But in mid-afternoon, after the sudden fashion of the tropics, the sky grew overcast, a boisterous wind sprang up, and a fine, driving rain set in. Now the waves that lashed the ship were spume-topped, and Mother had company in her misery. Everyone was grateful when in the late afternoon they reached the comparative shelter of Maliai Bay and dropped anchor. A small boat was put over the side to ferry the passengers ashore. It looked quite easy when the crew scampered down the short rope ladder and stepped into the boat. The sisters also found no difficulty, but something happened when Mother Mary Ann tried. The two crafts might appear to be quite close together, but as soon as she put out a foot it seemed that one rolled to starboard and the other pitched to port. The result was a gap too wide for her to span. The two sisters alternately prayed and called directions. Mother grew exasperated with herself. The others had boarded the boat safely. Then so would she. Now, mother, now, the two voices called. With the help of God and the guiding hands of two strong sailors, Mother Mary Ann launched herself into the void. To her pleased surprise, she found herself safe in the rowboat. By now, black dark had settled on the waters, and the tide was running strong. In spite of their most violent efforts, the oarsmen could not bring the craft ashore. In fact, they were fighting a losing battle and were being carried out into the open sea. The three nuns did not make a sound. Hawaiian men were excellent seamen, they knew. If anyone could get the boat in, they could. So Mother and the two sisters remained silent, helping all they could in the only way they could, by praying. The storm headed the boat seaward again. When the oarsmen pulled it about, a great wave slapped it broadside, almost capsizing it. Everyone was drenched by seawater added to the rain. A cold, penetrating wind made their misery greater. The robot had shipped a good deal of water. The nuns didn't know whether it was a dangerous amount, 
but they did know it was making their shoes soggy and clammy. Hunched over, making themselves as small as they could against the icy rain, they prayed and watched the heroic struggle of the men at the oars. At last, it was nearly midnight. One of the boys panted out welcome words. The landing! The nuns, of course, were delighted, but they soon learned that danger was not completely behind them, for this landing was no steady wooden pier, but a stone jetty. It was without guardrails, and walking over the water-covered, weed-slippery boulders, with driving rain blinding them, while the wind tore at their habits, was a hazardous and exhausting experience. But Hawaiians loved courage, and the boys gave all the help they could to the weary women. Father Goulston, priest of Maui, was there to meet them and solicitously tuck them into the carriage he had waiting. It was wonderful to be on land again, firm, safe, steady land. It's a seven-mile drive to the hospital, Father Goulston told them. It will not take us too long. Too long, the nuns learned, was rather an ambiguous phrase, and the land over which they rode was far from firm and safe and steady. They were inclined to wonder during the trip if they were really on the road or if Father was going cross-country. The carriage banged over tree roots and pitched into holes. It grated against boulders and almost bogged down in the mire. And all the time the wind howled and the rain lashed the cold, hungry sisters. The next morning when Mother looked out of the windows, she found it hard to believe in the tempest they had endured just the night before. Trees swayed gently in the warm breeze and the old mission church nearby basked in a kindly sun. Mother was the only one able to go to Mass that morning. The two sisters were prostrated by the hardships of the trip. But she, the fragile one, heard Mass, and then looked over the surroundings of the new two-story hospital. The building fronted the ocean, a well-behaved ocean that day, with far-off steamers trailing smoke across the horizon. On either side were vast fields of sugar cane and taro, lush and green and promising. When Mother went to the back of the building, she caught her breath, for there the extinct volcano, Heliacala, seemed to be tapping its snowy cap against the sky. It's so close, thought Mother. I believe a well-thrown rock would lean on the side of the mountain. She learned later that it was forty miles away. But she had more to do than to think of chucking stones at mountains. There were many plans to be made and executed before the hospital could be put in operation. Between the hospital building and the church there was a school building. I'll put Sister Antonella in charge of that, she decided. She is so fond of children, she will do well with the school. I am sure. It was hard for her to leave the incredible loveliness of the outdoors, which was on all sides, as she walked back to the hospital, busy with plans. The furniture was in, she had seen, but sheets and pillowcases and towels and gowns and the thousand and one other necessary items were still waiting. With the generous help of groups of Hawaiian women, the hospital was ready to receive patients in an amazingly short time. Shortly after operations began, Mother received word the Queen was to visit the island, and, of course, the new hospital. Mr. Gibson called to tell her of the impending visit. "'Don't you think it would be gracious to ask Her Majesty to name the hospital?' Mr. Gibson suggested. "'What a happy thought! Mother Mary Ann was delighted with the idea. I'll send a note at once.' "'Why not wait until she has seen all that you have accomplished here?' asked Mr. Gibson. It will delight her, I know, and she will be even more complimented by the request. The Queen came, and under Mother's guidance saw every bit of the hospital. 
she went through the kitchens and inspected the linen rooms she admired the little offices as well as the patients rooms mother mary ann's determination on scrupulous cleanliness combined with her feminine ability in home-making made the hospital all that could be desired her majesty is very happy indeed mr kipson translated as the queen was leaving she wants me to say that she would be grateful to be allowed to help call on her for anything as soon as the caller had left mother sat down and wrote a brief note she said in part as you were the first member of the royal family to honour the hospital with a visit i beg to suggest if it pleases your royal highness that you give it a distinctive name in honour of your visit mother expected that in a day or two she would have a note from the queen who was staying on the island or of course it might not come until after she returned to honolulu to her great surprise the great lady came herself evidently delighted at the request i named the hospital malulane she said then explained malulane means under the protection of heaven mother mary ann and the sisters were pleased and touched by the choice of the name i wish dear mother the queen continued that you and all the good sisters and every one who may ever come to the sheltering arms of malalane hospital may have the sweet protection of heaven the queen's visit had been a tonic to the patients all normal resentment of illness was swept away in the pleasure that they had been there when the beloved lady came they were pleased by the name she gave and the hopes she expressed the sisters went even higher in their estimation since it was plainly to honour them that queen capiolani had come but mother couldn't rest on her oars she was quite aware that there is no such thing as standing still in this life you either push forward or are drawn back and work was piling up sister antonella had taken over the girls school and was doing her best with the twenty non-english speaking pupils but that was about all she could manage her health had been permanently damaged during the tempestuous trip to maui and she had but little strength with the entire running of the hospital on their shoulders mother mary aunt and sister renata worked as they had never worked before the mechanics alone would have kept them on the run even if mother had not felt so strongly that in nursing personal contact is the priceless ingredient every patient mother ever cared for deserved and received tender loving care sister often felt that if it had not been for mother's serene strength and wry humour she could not possibly have accomplished what she did they were just barely in the swing and the rhythm of the work when the blow fell word came from the bishop that he wanted mother back at branch hospital in honolulu never had obedience come so hard neither of the two sisters was well and they had work enough for four but mother didn't hesitate nor would she permit the sisters to be discouraged it's a compliment to your work she assured them that the bishop feels you can get along i'll send someone to replace me of course but they need me at branch hospital and i must go where i am needed that is why i entered the order when the sisters protested that nobody could replace her that she was needed right where she was she smilingly silenced and consoled them and she never once mentioned her terror at facing the ocean again End of chapter three